Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Broker. I'm Ryan Deeds, and this is the podcast that we discuss employee engagement, efficiency, operational excellence, and really things trying to make your agency the best place to work and the best partner to do business with for both your clients, your carriers, and your employees. Big shout out to Indio for putting this on for us. If you don't know him, you should, www.useindio.com. Indio helps you collect all the data that you have from your clients and put it in one place. It's a very cool system that really shows a difference. You don't have to say, hey, I'm different. It actually is a differentiator at the very, very beginning. So if you don't know them, check them out. Indio, they'll help you. Today, I'm stoked. I've got a, a fellow that I met um, at a couple insurance conferences, and I was impressed with his uh, brilliance, I would say. Um, it's David Davis from Fudge Insurance, and he has a a pretty unique story um, from the technological perspective. He, he did a lot of work with Intel, and, and Dave, I'm just stoked that you're here with me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. So, so walk me through it, man. When you and I met, I think it was at Elevate in New Orleans, right, and right. then we ran into each other, I think, at Dig In or at I ITC. Think, uh, yeah, ITC, ITC in ITC. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we get to go to all the party towns, you know. That's right, so. exactly. Um, and so, yeah, man, talking through the last 24 months, because you sure. know, when you and I met, it was, you were kind of on a sabbatical from Intel and me and my guy, me and my friends were all kind of like starstruck and in awe, like, <laughs> oh my God, this guy is truly smart. And so help me understand where, where you're from and, and what you were doing yeah. in your previous life. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I have recently joined the, uh, insurance space and uh you know officially that's about three months ago now um and i'll kind of go backwards in time and kind of give you an idea of what led me to this place it's a, a bit of a journey right so um when i got my my first job out of school uh i got a job working in silicon valley for intel corporation and kind of worked my way um up the up the chain there uh over the course of 19 years really enjoyed my job my my focus there was on um cloud and data center infrastructure, specifically customer enabling and support. So a lot of what we did was help our customers. Um, and these are guys you've heard of. These are your Amazons, your Googles, your Microsofts, Apples, anybody who had a large data center anywhere around the world, uh, help them build in their new infrastructure, refresh their infrastructure. And then when things caught on fire or a stock market crashed, we were the, the first guys on the, on the plane to debug a processor issue or a technology issue. And so spent a lot of time, um, you know, uh, talking to customers about new hardware, new infrastructure, new options, um, specialized in sort of, um, you know, uh, data analytics, big data, cloud, uh, cybersecurity, uh, and then again, data center infrastructure and build out. And so it's kind of what, what I did there. It was a great job. Uh, I loved the company. The company treated me really well. Uh, however, it was a tough job. And, uh, you know, it, it, by, <laughs> by year 19, uh, I was running a, a global team, a large global team, and I was traveling all the time. Uh, I did the math on my 2018 and I was 40% out of, out of, out of uh, you know, living in hotels, right? 40% of the year on the road, living in hotels away from my family. Uh, and frankly, I just, I wanted to reclaim a little bit of my life, a little bit of my, my, my work-life balance. And so, as you said, when we first ran into each other in New Orleans, um, 
I was on a year long sabbatical. I did sort of a, a Jack Kerouac thing and, uh, and, and just left. I took a, a year long sabbatical from Intel um, and took my family in an RV and traveled around the country, uh, explored the United States and Canada and just tried to spend some time thinking about what I wanted to do with the next phase of my career, what was important to me, what were my criteria uh, and, and where might I be able to find that kind of thing, right? So a lot of time exploring, not a lot of time doing, just a lot of time thinking and, and ideating, right? Um, somewhere in that whole process, my brother-in-law who owns the agency that I'm now with here in Florida, the independent agency, which he and his father started about 15 years ago, had said to me, you know, you should come down here and, and, and do insurance and kind of like you were saying earlier, um, it's kind of a, a sideways notion to me, right? Because insurance, technology, what do, what do these two have in common, right? And it was it was sort of hard for me at first to see sort of where there would be a confluence of the two industries and what my previous experience might bring to bear in a new space. Um, but he convinced me, partially because it was in New Orleans, right, to join him for a fully paid trip since I wasn't doing anything anyway to New Orleans for uh, the, uh, the conference where, where we originally met. And I was pretty shocked, you know, sitting in that audience, listening to these keynote speeches, it really hit me that, gosh, these guys are dealing with the very same problems that the industries I've already helped through some of these problems have dealt with in the past. And that's not to say insurance is lagging, but I think a lot of sort of the natural risk aversion or risk tolerance in this industry uh, causes them maybe to be sort of later adopters of certain technologies, causes the space, I think, to get sort of revolutionized in a, in a, a more drawn out and sort of checked and balanced way. And so sitting there, it just kind of dawned on me, you know, there, there is stuff that I have to contribute here, right? I've done some of this stuff. I've been through some of these challenges, changes, fears, um, and I'm looking for something different. So this job met a lot of those, those criteria from a personal perspective, a work-life balance perspective, um, and also offered me something totally different than I've done for the past 20 years, which is the, the ability to go off and just innovate and do some really cool stuff and, and explore, you know, what a new industry is doing. So that's the long and short of how I ended up saying yes to an offer and uh, taking the CTO role here at Fudge Insurance, which is really a, a you know, a, a medium sized independent agency here in Florida that kind of, I, I like to say leans, leaning into technology in good ways. Right. So, and that's where I am and that's what I've been doing. And so, like, I, it must have been interesting, you know, you come from Intel, you come from very, very high tech space. And, and I think one of the, the challenges with insurance agencies is we really haven't had to be high tech. Mm -hmm. And now, now we're having to be high tech. I mean, mainly because of scale. You know, when I look at why that is, it's our inability to scale our old process and our own model to compete with larger organizations that are have learned how to scale and have, have put that investment in technology kind of quietly over the last 10, 15 years. And now we come to it and they're, and they're kind of exponentially, their capabilities are exponentially greater and mm -hmm. their margins are greater because they've invested and learned and done all this. And so now we have the independence kind of running to try to catch up and saying, okay, technology is not just network, it's not just computers, it's so much more how do we get there? Well, when you came into the space, man, I mean, what were two or three of the things that you were just yeah. like, oh, wow, they're, they're dealing with this. Oh, wow. I mean, it must have been a, a, a head shift for you to see the problems that we were, we were really facing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you, you, you actually put it really well when you talk about it from, the, from an IA perspective. And so, you know, from, from what I've learned, and you got you to take all this with a grain of salt because you're talking to a guy who's been looking at this for six months from the outside. And so I know some stuff, but there's probably more I don't know than I do. But what I can say that, that I've kind of picked up on is 
you know, you've got some of these big carriers who have read the tea leaves, you know, 10 years or so ago, and on the carrier side or in the, in the, in the bigger sort of uh, financial services space, you've got folks who have made good steps uh, and they're already, you know, making progress. But in the IA portion of the business, one of the things just hit me right away is it's, it's sensory overload, man. If you're an insurance guy, if you're a, you know, let's say you, you, you know, your, your father, grandfather started an agency and, you know, you've taken that over and you're a small, medium agency, uh, independent agency somewhere, the amount of technology that's out there and available uh, is overwhelming, right? And I got a real sense of this deer in the headlights thing where there's a mixture of sort of apprehension and fear. Uh, is this, you know, do I need this stuff? I got people calling me and cold, cold emailing me every day trying to sell me, you know, this big data technology is supposed to help me do, you know, uh, claims processing with drones and, and X, Y, and Z. And it, 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 I got a real sense of, I just want to sell insurance and I'm overwhelmed, right? Uh, I know that I've got to, it, you know, adopt and implement some of these technologies because I've got to adapt and move forward and it's going to help me scale. It's going to help me go faster. It's going to help me do better for my customers and help me provide a better environment for my, um, uh, my team. Uh, but just a real sort of glossed over what in the world do I choose to do here uh, type thing. And I saw that at the conferences as well. At both of those conferences, I will tell you, even though, um, you know, the New Orleans conference was tailored more towards independent agencies, I still got a feeling as an outsider that uh, a lot of the technology and a lot of the startups that were there, you know, seeking funding or, or notoriety are geared more towards at the backside of the business as far as, you know, as opposed to the front end of the business where the, the, the uh, independent agencies are doing the work. And so one of the big impressions I had is that it's just, we're in that stage where, um, it's a wild west, right? Uh, and it's funny because I've seen other industries go through the same transition, right? As they start to get past the IT stage of things where you basically are, you know, digitizing things, right? You're basically taking old analog stuff and turning it digital. You get past the IT implementation, you know, implementation stage of things and you end up in the space where now there's a bunch of technology companies offering sometimes similar products, some products that are bound to fail and a few that'll be successful and it's just overwhelming, right? And so I, I, that was one of the big impressions I walked away with. The, the other thing that really hit me hard is that um, <laughs> I think independent, independent agents are basically minting gold bricks and, and, and settling for copper pennies, right? Um, these are the people who are out there dealing with the customers, getting all this data, getting the information, actually moving policies, selling those policies, doing the business on behalf of the carriers, and yet they're still technologically very beholden to the carriers to get the very data that they're actually the genesis of, if that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, I went through a lot of industry transitions in the previous job where we talked about what we call the democratization of data, you know, where you, you set your data free and you, you, with inside your business, you know, you don't, you don't silo or compartmentalize your data. You let everyone get insights off of that data. And I feel like there's a reckoning that will be coming uh, in the insurance space um, in that regard as well. There's sort of, you know, getting paid for commissions on sales is great, um, but there's also other pieces of that pie there, I think, for what the IAs are doing by asserting some ownership or generating value from the data that they're creating, right? Um, data's the new, the new oil, right? Right. Yeah. And using that, I mean, I, I think in, in it, it's a misnomer, right? Because there's a big difference between, hey, we have data, to, hey, we're looking at data, to, hey, we trust our data, 
to, hey, we're changing actual behaviors based on the things that we have seen. I mean, that, that process is such a long, it just, it seems, it, like you said, it's daunting. And so I think yeah. a lot of these independents, you know, there's so much noise out there. There's so many products that do so many things that I think you're right. I think it's just overwhelming. If I'm an agency principal, but I've sold insurance in a traditional way, and now my yeah. consumer's demanding all these additional capabilities, and everybody's promising the world because in their opinion, it, it's just technology, plug it in and it'll work. And right. they, they don't focus on getting the user buy-in and the user adoption. And then of course we don't have the discipline to just keep trying. So we churn product and creates more confusion. And that's what I see at ITC. That's what I see at any of these yeah. is people are almost like they, they've been burnt so many times by the investment yep. that they, they are, that they're reticent to grab, grab hold and move that forward. And so that's something that I think is we are seeing a change. Um, those agencies that want to remain relevant and remain independent going into the future are having to deal with that now and they're doing that. Those agencies that are going to exit in the next three or four years are kind of sitting, sitting on their mind and just, just holding it together as best they can. I mean, is that kind right. of what you see? I, I Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think there's, there's sort of three, uh, three colors of uh, IAs that I've run across as I've been having these conversations and, you know, reaching out and, and getting um, acquainted with how the industry is moving. I see, you know, you're sort of staunch dinosaurs who may have no perpetuation plan to begin with. And like you say, they're probably going to fade away as the last generation of charge fades away. Right. Uh, and, and, and those folks, you know, they probably wouldn't even, even if you had the golden ticket of technology portfolio, they'd probably pass on it and, and, and go ahead and finish out their time, you know, as the dinosaur they are. You've got folks who are sort of in a wait and see state, right? So this this fat middle uh, where they're not early adopters, but they know that they're probably going to have to take some technology uh, to move forward to get into that new era, but they're unsure what that technology needs to be, what they should be buying, why they should be buying it. Is it going to help? Maybe like you said, they've been burned, right? Because they've now gone through you know, two different uh, flash in the pan, uh, you know, auto raters or something like that, that didn't, didn't, didn't give many ROI. Uh, and then you've got sort of your, your early adopter folks or your, uh, you know, um, leaders, right? Tech, tech leaders who are out there and maybe they've got additional capital and so they're able to burn through some investments. What I'm, what I'm really seeing, even with those three classes of people is there's still, I think, a lot of settling that has to happen in the tech ecosystem itself before you can have a clear plan for any of those folks, especially the, the two that are actually investing in technology. Because today actually, and, and again, this is only you know six months to a year, haven't looked at this landscape, but there, there's not a lot of, from an IA perspective, there's not a lot of sure bet, clear winner technologies that I look, there's some great stuff out there, some cool stuff out there that'll save you, you know, time and, and money here and, and, and fix this piece of your business and do things like that. But as far as sort of tried and true pillars of, you know, what everybody's going to need and what's the best in class piece of technology for, you know, pieces of the business A, B, and C, I still think that there's a lot of settling and, and um, you know, uh, collapsing and merging that's going to happen uh, in, the, in, this, in the offering space before we get there. So it's actually a cool time my opinion, to be involved in the transition of the industry, because, you know, you can kind of take a look at what's happened in other industries, what types of technologies um, did end up evolving into something useful and that you wouldn't live without, you know, how did, how did Salesforce come out of the evolution of, 
you know, the, the uh, you know, customer management transition, right? How did those kind of things happen? And you can look, take a look at the insure tech space and maybe say, okay, well, you know, this group of products here, this is probably all going to collapse into a single pillar. Uh, this is going to be a leader. This, this person's got a good vision, you know? And so that's what I've been trying to do. I wouldn't say that I have that cookbook, uh, but that's what I've been trying to do is take a, a survey of the space, look at the different technologies, talk to a bunch of people, use my previous experience and try to try to place some intelligent bets on, you know, what we might need as an agency and what other agencies might need moving forward to be successful. So is your focus at Fudge, is it, is it when you came in, was yeah. it, hey, you're going to be our CTO, you're going to modernize us, you're going to help get all of our systems to, to talk and to do all the things they need to. And then we're going to kind of look at the marketplace and see if there's a need out there that we feel like we can facilitate. I mean, is that kind of what, what I mean, obviously, I mean, how big is Fudge? How many people? Uh, we're about 16, 17 people today. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so, you know, 16, 17 people from a, from you running a team that was larger than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, walk me through what your kind of, what your plan is as you, as you, um, have come in and identified different areas of fudge that you want to change up and then sure. what's that next step after you get them all sorted out? Yeah, sure. So I think on the one hand, there's probably some very, um, you know, uh, non-sexy, regular, common, you know, work on our biz ops and our efficiency, technology, efficiency, technology use type uh, problems that I came in to solve just to get the shop, you know, get your own house in order kind of thing, right? So what are the technology best practices that I could recommend having been in the high tech industry for the past 20 years to help us, you know, get our agency running in top order? And so that's kind of the, the, the stuff you were mentioning earlier, right? So um, some bringing some of that sort of big business process and operational stuff into smaller business um, is good, can be good, maybe I should say, but you really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on not losing that entrepreneurial spirit that goes along with a lot of the IA space, right? And so um, I feel like my personal opinion is that a lot of the growth and the success in these small and medium, uh, medium-sized agencies comes from this sort of what I would call like entrepreneurial moxie or this gut instinct, right? More often than sort of the structured goal setting or, or measured objectives type stuff that you see in big business space. But there's sort of a good happy medium that I think we've been working towards here at, at Fudge where we brought some of those practices in and, and instead of just moving forward and being successful as we've been in the past 15 years, uh, because we know the, the recipe for success, putting some plans around those things um, and setting some goals and then talking about concrete steps using technology and using a technology plan as far as how we're going to get there. And so yes, on the one hand, that's one aspect of my job. On the other hand, there's a sort of blue sky space out there that, uh, the three of us, um, that are, uh, that are, uh, in charge of the, the agency here have been talking about. And that is like you mentioned, going out there and seeing, is there something we can offer First of all, is there is are there wagons that we should be hitching ourselves to from a technology perspective such that we're better poised for success for the future? And then secondly, based on sort of you know what I've seen before and connections I might have in different parts of the industry, are there ways that we can actually contribute materially to the solution space um, or the conversation, to be honest with you, right? A big part of what I would be happy to do is stuff like this, where I'm talking to a guy like you who knows a heck of a lot more than I do. So I'll learn at the same time I'm sharing what I've learned. Um, about this particular industry, right? So contributing to that conversation. And then if, if it makes sense, contributing material to the solution space 
um, is another thing we're also looking at as well. So we kind of got that dual nature, right? One of them is, you know, working in-house, taking care of the company, helping to take care of the company, making sure we're working as efficiently as possible. And the other one is, uh, you know, off there looking at what opportunities there may be in the space. So when you came in, I mean, were there, were there low hanging fruit that you felt like you could change up relatively quickly <laughs> with, with maximum impact? I mean, walk me through kind of at, you sure. know, any, any new CIO CTO role is, I think that that first six to eight months is a real kind of nightmare as you're trying to figure out what came before, how, how uh, sure. adaptable are they and all that jazz. Yeah, and, and luckily, so, so, so yes, there were a couple pieces of what I would call very low-hanging fruit, but then there's also ones that I felt are more central to what we do. Um, and the good news is from a, from a uh, willingness to change or willingness to experiment perspective, the agency here is a bit of a, a, bit of a unicorn, man. Um, you know, a lot from what I've learned talking to other people going out to the, the you know, independent agency uh, meetings here in town and meeting some of those people, uh, this agency is a bit unique, right? Uh, it, is, it is staffed with a bunch of sort of younger, uh, diverse, forward-thinking type employees, which is, which is from what I understand in this space, not the norm. And so what I get when I, when I come in here and start talking about new ideas, instead of pushback, instead of sort of um, reluctance to uh, experiment and try some new things, is I actually get a pretty open, welcoming type attitude. And that's not just from the leadership, but also from the staff in the office. And so um, I've been really impressed with the makeup of the agency here and their willingness to listen to some of my crazy ideas. Um, so that, that's good. And it allows me to do some additional things. So there, there's some very simple things that, that um, we've done, but I think the one that sticks out in my mind that uh, is sort of the, the biggest nut that I'd love to crack um, is the way that we use, you know, everybody's, everybody's got an agency management system, right? They're, they're doing their customer relationship management probably through this agency management system. And we've got an agency management system. Uh, and my, my theory on this, Ryan, is that we are successful as an agency despite of or in spite of the fact that we use this, this agency management system. Um, and by the way, this is, not, this is not me dogging on any one particular product or, or hyping up another one, but um, I just from running the business that I ran in my previous career and the software that we used to actually interact with the thousands of customers that we had, um, there were a bunch of immediate pain points that stuck out to me with the way we're using our system. And really what it looked like to me as an outsider is that we, we took a, a, a physical, you know, 1982 Rolodex and a 1982 filing cabinet and we recreated those in the digital space. And it, it, it's, it's really not more helpful than that. Uh, it's just a digital reproduction of those things. And I think CRM and, and um, you know, management systems, ticketing systems, things like that have evolved so much more beyond that in most of other spots in the industry where you're, where you're dealing with customers on a regular basis. That was the one that stuck out like a sore thumb to me, to be honest with you. And that's the one where, um, you know, we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't done anything yet, right? But that's, that's the sort of one thing that I'd like to fix that I think could make a big impact on the business other than some of the you know, small things we did with the, with the infrastructure, uh, you know, the storage options, the web space, uh, marketing campaign stuff. Uh, and so all that stuff I went in and touched up and brought up to what I would call good best practices. But the, the AMS piece, the CRM piece um, is one that I'd really like to get a handle on. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you know, you saw what happened to Tech Canary. You know, Tech Canary comes up and, you know, they had a product that was built on Salesforce and then they get acquired and kind of shut down. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so I think then that creates a, a, 
uh, an aversion if I'm an agency principal to, to go and invest time and energy Absolutely. into this new technology because they're going to get acquired. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think it was a strategic move to, to, to do that for, for a multitude of reasons. But I don't like the fact that, that we have so few options in the space. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, it, and it's not, honestly, I, I, let me be careful, right? It's not that any of the big, you know, 2,000 pound gorillas in this space are awful or terrible. Um, they're functional, big businesses, you know, big corporate, uh, um, you know, uh, captive or other agencies are using these tools and they're doing just fine. Uh, however, I just think that there's so much more, I mean, you know, from, a, from an agency perspective, right, this is a customer interaction job, you know, we're working with our clients, we're talking to our clients, we're supporting them, we're helping them when they have issues. Um, we should be able to do that in a way that's, you know, fully modern and, and, you know, has implements all sort of the best knowledges and, you know, best known methods for interacting with, with customers, managing those relationships, doing support, uh, follow up, that kind of thing. And so I think that, you know, the way we do that today is actually the, the old way, which is human glue. We got people in the office who know what it means to follow up with a customer. We got someone who remembers you got to send, you know, an email to welcome somebody the quarter after they join or things like that. Right. And I think there's a lot to be done with automation um, when it makes sense. I'm not talking about automating away the humanity. Right. But I think there's a lot to be done with the tools that are uh, that are out there um, and that they leave something to be desired at the moment. So. Yeah, and I think that automation as a word has changed so drastically from, from my understanding of it. You know, I used to think when I'd hear automation, I would hear job reduction. And sure. really what I hear now is automation, employee engagement, because I'm going to take away the tasks that you don't want to do. We're going to try to make that easier so you can focus on the higher value stuff. And uh, and obviously explaining that to, the, to, to our employees and making sure everybody's, you know, understands that that's the goal. Um, and I think that's just a maturation process that, that we've gone through where, and plus it's such a hard thing to find good employees, you know, and so yeah. we're trying to maximize employees and get more efficient. How do you have the great account managers that you have do more with the clients that you have mm -hmm. and the prospects that you have. And so that's where the, the, one of the drivers for, automating tasks, automating process, you know, identifying what's low value process, what's a low value, high volume task that you do that you can get the heck out of there. And exactly. without, yeah. And so without, without that kind of thought process. And so agents, I think that, you know, as you think through your agency, you know, always be on the lookout, lookout for that, you know, what are those tasks that you consistently have to do that don't bring you a lot of value and how do you figure out how to automate or outsource or do whatever you need to do with that stuff? Because I think that's, that's what the bigger shops have already done in a right. lot of cases, and, and they've created scale that way. And so, right. But, hey, man, I want to just thank you so much for coming on. If people want to get a hold of you, if people want to pick your brain, I'm telling you, listeners, um, I'm going to have uh, David on a few more times because, you know, we're lucky that he has joined our industry. We're lucky to have a mind like his with the connections that this cat has. The, the, the thought, I mean, honestly, you know, you, it's just, you know, fudge insurance is a very fortunate uh, place to be able to have somebody that has had the experience that you've had. And so if folks want to get a hold of you, if they want to pick your brain, how do they do that? Sure. Super easy. You can get me at Dave at fudgeinsurance.com. You can reach out to me there. I'll give you my phone number. You can hit me on LinkedIn under Dave Davis. Either one of those ways works for me and uh, we can get in touch directly there. And by the way, I thank you for asking that. I, I'm, I'm happy to, I mean, one of the things I'm doing out here right now, Ryan, is having these conversations, right? Trying to make myself smarter, trying to understand what's going on in the industry. And so um, please do reach out. I'm, I'm, I'm open. 
Yeah, it's like, like, like listeners, like you heard him say, I mean, there's a lot that he doesn't know about our industry and our space. I'm sure that any agency out there can give him some insight. And I guarantee you that you'll take something away from a conversation with him because every time we talk, I do. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for thank being you. with me. Uh, big shout out to Indio, www.useindio. And we'll talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and E&O free, saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast.